0: Good morning everyone, I'm Mark and uh, I've been gone for the past two Sundays, but now I am back. I've been in uh, California and uh, visiting some friends and family and um, hanging out with my immediate family and having a good time. They get back Wednesday, so I'm excited about that. Uh, One thing that I like to do when I'm traveling uh, is try to seek out different types of church experiences and uh, I had a really interesting church experience this this time around a friend of mine was a guest speaker at a, at a church and invited me to come and I'm like oh yeah that'd be that'd be great and I was in a denomination that I hadn't gone to before so I was uh, you know it interested and, and uh looking forward to a new experience and uh new experience i did get uh it was uh it was really neat i uh, went there and and it's not often that i get to go to a church uh anymore where i'm like the youngest person by 30 years so that was uh being the, the you know them directing me to the 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 high school ministry i'm like no i'm 41 i come in here. So uh, and so that was that was the first thing and you know, it was kind of interesting. And then you know, gathering started or you know as normal gatherings start and you know they had the big uh, pulpit uh, up front and they had this nice lady she's playing on the on the grand piano and she's going and this guy walks up with a wireless mic, you know, handheld, walks up to the walks up to the pulpit and he puts his elbow on the pulpit and just kind of leans on it. And like, he just starts singing, like not looking at anybody, just like leaning like, and he's like, and when the saints come marching in, he's singing like that, you know, and I'm like, all right, that's cool and everything. But what was really cool was uh, when that song was over, she starts playing another song and he's sitting there, you find, I don't know that one. And she starts arguing back. Oh, yes, you do, Harry. Nope, I don't know it. Yes, you do. So they argued, like, for a while. it be mean, like, Trace and, and Kyle arguing if uh, they know a song or not. Well, finally, uh, uh, she was right. He did know the song, and she, you know, she reminded him. So uh, he sang his song, and, and uh, that was really cool. And then yeah, uh, you know how Trace just had you guys uh, uh, introduce each other. They didn't do it quite like that. Uh, say hi. They actually made us stand up and interviewed us. So if it's your first time here today, don't worry. But I, I, I stood up and I got interviewed uh, by the nice lady and and told her, and I was like, all right. That was uncomfortable, but that's that's cool. And but the best part was uh, when my friend started teaching. I'm like, okay, I've 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 seen him teach before. I'm gonna settle back, you know, enjoy, um, hopefully be challenged, get some insight and everything. So he starts out like a a lot of pastors do. He's telling a story, much like this story. But he was telling a telling a story about someone that he knew in college who wanted to be a doctor, and he tells the story and. Uh, then he continues on uh, with with his talk. Well, this this guy um, about where Steve was sitting. Uh, there's about 120 people there. Uh, uh, says, "Well, what happened to the guy?" <laughs> My friend like looked at him and said, "Excuse me." And he's like, "Well, what happened to him?" He's like, "Well, I told you." And he's like, "No, what's he doing now?" And he's like, "Well, you know, we kind of lost." Contact. This was back in guys. And it's just like I was like, wow, this is. It's good to be home. <laughs> Let's just say that. So, uh, but hey, we've been uh, in Nehemiah for the past eight weeks, right? Talking a lot about leadership and and Pastor Eric um, was talking about really vision drift last time and and how how you know, vision leaks, and, you know, how we wish we could just, you know, if we're leaders, leaders of our family or leaders of a of your business or your church, you wish you could just, you know, tell somebody one time, hey, this is the way we do it, and this is why, and so now go and do that. But as, as uh, we know in our lives that didn't work, and also as we... No, in Nehemiah's life that didn't work either. So when he heard things were going sideways and he went back to Jerusalem, uh, it's real interesting to me that, that he encountered three problems which uh, Eric touched upon last week. And I wanted to kind of like look at it in a different way though this week. Uh, not so much the problems but how he responded to those. In fact, three times uh, after he addressed the problem, he prayed to God and asked God to remember him favorably. Remember his good deeds or or remember somehow how he led in a favorable way. And I was really thinking about the story of Nehemiah. And you remember how Nehemiah's story started, right? That, That he opened up his heart the things that broke God's heart, and he was motivated to do something about it. It started out with just Nehemiah and God, right? And then at the end of the story, he's got all of this internal conflict and, and all of this kind of vision correction happening. And there's no one giving him any accolades. There's no one applauding him. At the end, it was just Nehemiah and God. It's kind of a sad ending if you, if you think about it. In uh, verse 14, he's like, remember this good deed. And, and In verse 22, remember this good deed also, God. And then finally, he closes the whole book of Nehemiah with this final sentence, remember this in my favor. Oh my God. OMG, right? <laughs> I just realized that. <laughs> so, um, and I look at this story and I wonder if it could have ended any other way. Like is there is there a way that, that he could have addressed this. And not ended up alone. Or if that if that really is the reality, and that's really kind of the 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 takeaway here is that a lot of times that when we're leading, we're doing it for God, that 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 if we're not rock solid with God, that we may be short on mission, because if we don't have that, we don't have any else. Now check out what he had to do and what he had to endure. The first problem when he got there was that they had neglected the temple. They had agreed that they were going to take care of the temple, but when he came back, they had totally neglected They had totally neglected it, and he had to essentially have a change of leadership in the temple. And in the, in the text, there's nobody saying, good job, good decision, Nehemiah. You know, oh, wow, you did, you know, this is awesome. No. He's all alone on it. He cries out to God after this decision. God, this was a relationally so hard. These were guys that he built the city with. And he's sitting there and it's like, God, please remember this good deed, oh my God. And do not forget that, All that I have faithfully done for the temple of my God and its services. You know, that Pastor Eric last week was talking about looking up. And I don't think Nehemiah would have been able to make this decision relationally, pay the relational price to bring bring back into line the original vision that God had for Jerusalem and his people if he hadn't been looking up the second problem that he encountered was they had profaned the sabbath and this is what he did he then commanded the levites to purify themselves and to guard the gates in order in order for to preserve the holiness of the sabbath now the sabbath not the whole, the absolutely pure, the holiness set aside for God's purpose. And if you remember what Pastor Eric was talking about, about how they were crushing, you know, they were making wine and stuff like that on the Sabbath. They were working during the Sabbath. And after shutting this down and having them purify everything, he cries out to God, remember this good deed also. Oh, my God, have compassion on me according to your great honor. And unfailing love, like as someone who's a leader, I, I just like I can I, I can almost feel like the the anguish and the pain and where this is coming from. You know, we've been talking about a lot of the good side of, of leadership, a lot of the the positive sides of leadership, but but a lot of times leadership especially when you're following God as closely as you can, can end up like where Nehemiah is, alone and nobody applauding you. And then the final problem that he had addressed is that they had defiled the priesthood. And this is what he did about it. So he purged out everything foreign and assigned tasks to the priests and Levites to make certain that each of his did his work. I also made sure the supply of wood from the altar and the first portion of the harvest were, were brought at the proper time. And then he ends the book with, of Nehemiah. Remember this in my favor, O oh my sad it's sad it's like the the a lot of the 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 joy and the excitement at the beginning of the journey had just been taken out of him but also it's encouraging in the sense that he still obviously had this rock solid relationship with god but he'd been so knocked off his his kind of his his game and so disoriented or, or disillusioned with it that that he felt that he had to do these prayers in earnest to his God. And I think as we, we talked about leadership that, that a lot of what we were actually talking about is what we are all meant to be. And that's actually followers. Now, stick with me as I kind of unpack this. You know, those of us who are Christians are what? Followers of Christ. Followers of Jesus, yeah. Followers of Christ. Followers of Jesus. That's our primary identity. And, and really... That's what Nehemiah was doing. He was, he was following hard after God. And the reason that it succeeded, the reason that the walls were rebuilt and the, and the system of worship was reestablished, then re-reestablished, and the, the commerce were established and then refined, and the priesthood was made clear again, was not because Nehemiah was the leader but it was because Nehemiah was a follower. He was a follower of his God. And I think those of us who want to be the leader ultimately can end up alone. I mean, think about this with Nehemiah. Three times he had the big, one of the largest challenges after, you know, Facing Samballat and Tobiah and, and all the other nations coming down on him, fight uh, fighting opposition within his, his own troops. Coming back, he has one final battle. And if he was the leader, if it was just him, he would have had no one to cry out to. But because he was the first follower, he was the first follower of God in this project of rebuilding the wall, In the end, even though everyone had turned away, it was as it was in the beginning. Nehemiah and God. And I think this is so critical in our lives that we know that we are followers of Christ and not leaders on our own that ultimately everyone can turn away from us, but Christ will never turn away from us. And the, the cool thing is, is is you know when we're a first follower of Christ, that that when we try to mimic and follow him and in likeness in person and in word, that our mission, then becomes wide open and our mission is his mission that he's entrusted to us and we get to invite others like Nehemiah did along on the journey. I came across a really neat video um, about a year and a half ago that I want to share with you guys that, that really kind of crystallizes this idea of being a first follower. Will you guys watch that this with me? Learned a
1: lot about leadership and making a movement. Then let's watch a movement happen start to finish in under three minutes and dissect some lessons. First, of course, a leader needs the guts to stand alone and look ridiculous. But what he's doing is so simple, it's almost instructional. This is key, you must be easy to follow. Now here comes the first follower with a crucial role he publicly shows everyone else how to follow. Notice how the leader embraces him as an equal. So it's not about the leader anymore, it's about them, plural. Notice how he's calling to his friends to join in. So it takes guts to be a first follower. You stand out and you brave ridicule yourself. Being a first follower is an underappreciated form of leadership. The first follower transforms a lone nut into a leader. If the leader is the flint, The first follower is the spark that really makes the fire. Now here's the second follower. This is a turning point. It's proof the first has done well. Now it's not a lone nut, and it's not two nuts. Three is a crowd, and a crowd is news. A movement must be public. Make sure outsiders see more than just the leader. Everyone needs to see the followers, because new followers emulate followers, not the leader. Now here come two more people, then three more immediately. Now we've got momentum. This is the tipping point, and now we have a movement. As more people jump in, it's no longer risky. If they were on the fence before, there's no reason not to join in now. They won't stand out, they won't be ridiculed, and they will be part of the in-crowd if they hurry. And over the next minute, you'll see the rest who prefer to stay part of the crowd, because eventually they'd be ridiculed for not joining. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how a movement is made. So let's recap what we've learned. If you are a version of the shirtless dancing guy, all alone, remember the importance of nurturing your first few followers as equals, making everything clearly about the movement, not you. Be public, be easy to follow. But the biggest lesson here, did you catch it? Leadership is over-glorified. Yes, it started with the shirtless guy, and he'll get all the credit, but you saw what really happened. It was the first follower that transformed a lone nut into a leader. There's no movement without the first follower. See, we're told that we all need to be leaders, but that would be really ineffective. The best way to make a movement, if you really care, is to courageously follow and show others how to follow. When you find a lone nut doing something great, have the guts to be the first person to stand up and join in.
0: It's a fascinating video, isn't it? Now, let me tell you how that video was, was made. They were at, you know, some drug induced hippie thing, right? <laughs> And these people who were halfway sober were sitting there and one of them taps him on another person on the shoulder and says, look at that crazy shirtless dancing guy. And they started laughing at him, right? They started laughing at him and like, this is so funny, let's film him so we can laugh, show our friends and laugh at him. But they didn't know something profound was about to happen. They didn't know that they were actually filming something that was going to be a movement. You know, who was the most important person in creating this movement? The first follower. Because without that first follower, that video would have maybe gone on, you know, 10 more seconds and then it would have got old and and turned it off and there would have been no movement. So the first follower deciding, you know what, I'm going to go and I'm going to join this person. It was interesting. Then the third person came. And start, people started to view it differently. And one of my favorite parts of this video is toward the end where people were running full force, trying to be part of the dance. And as a follower of Christ, I, I look at this and kind of look at it as, as kind of a parable of, of, our, of our faith. Like, in our, in our context, in, in a faith context, who's the, who's the shirtless dancing guy? It's okay, you could say it. Jesus. It's Jesus. And think about this video as we look at, in context, Matthew 4, 18, uh, where, where Jesus is calling his first disciples because before his first disciples, Jesus was a guy who's out there healing people and and teaching people about the kingdom coming, and and people thinking maybe he thinks he is the Messiah. It says, One day Jesus was walking along the shore. He was by himself, on the Sea of Galilee, by himself. He didn't have a movement. He didn't have any disciples at this point. He saw two brothers, Simon and also called Peter and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets and followed him at once. So there you have the first followers. You have the first followers of Jesus Christ. So just kind of picture Jesus in the Sea of Galilee, and he's he's dancing the, you know, the divine dance. And he calls the disciples or the fishermen to become his followers, to to learn to do the divine dance. And they came. They left their profession. Then he continues on a little farther up shore and he, and he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in the boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called to them to, you know, come. And they immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their nets and their father behind. So now we have five. And this this kind of, this this growth of of the movement, you have the, the first followers, and then now you have James and John. And Obviously, the, their stake in this was a heck of a lot more. They were leaving their jobs. I like how uh, in James and John that were also told that, that they left their father. They left the family business to follow Christ. I don't know if you can put yourself in that situation of what it costs to be one of the first followers of Jesus. But being a first follower in a movement of God always carries more risk with it than joining part of a movement. Because people can point you out and say, you are a nut. You're with a nut and you are a nut. But these are the same people that once it's established will be running to join. And then it continues on. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread um, as far as Syria. And people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Verse 25, what happens? Large Crowds follow him. Wherever he went, people from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from the far east of the Jordan River. I don't know. I'm watching that video and and kind of understanding how the movement of Christ began. I think, kind of, reilluminates kind of like some different ideas. Of how the movement which we are part of, of of Christ began. It began with some very daring first followers. You didn't have any guarantees, they didn't have the Bible, they didn't have a church to go to. They had Jesus dancing, the divine. Dance and inviting them to join. So, why, why is this all important? How does this connect with Nehemiah? Well, I think it all connects this way that ultimately, those of us who are Christians are first and foremost called to be followers. If we are off and we we take the stance, I am the leader of my life. I am the leader of my destiny, my job, my paycheck, my my retirement, of my relationships, and and I am leading it. You have every right to do that. But you do it alone. One of the most beautiful things about, about being a Christian is being a follower of Christ. And that we follow Him in person and word and as indeed as closely as we can. Here we say to become a fully devoted follower of Christ. And in our Christian lives, that we we often play the many different roles, but never the role of leader. We may play the role of first follower, that God calls us to do something. And that that we recognize that God has called us to do something. We stand up and we do it and become the first follower of Christ. And we invite others to to come alongside us. And every church and every God-ordained organization and every movement has started this way. It starts out small. It starts out in a way that most people, the vast majority, will point to you and say you're crazy for being part of that. And the difference is, though, if you can clearly see Christ in it, that no longer is your audience your audience them, but your audience is God. And like Nehemiah in the end, when everyone has kind of turned their backs and no one's applauding him, he can turn to God as an audience of one and say, God, remember this with good favor. Remember these deeds, because I am did not do them for myself, but I did it for you. So as we go in, in, our, in our lives as, 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 as people of faith, that sometimes we're going to be a first follower. Sometimes we're going to be the second follower. Sometimes we'll be the third. Sometimes we're going to come running in at the end. And all of those roles are important if they are for the purpose of, the redemptive purpose of Christ the only role that a christian will not ever take is the leader because then you would cease to be a follower of Christ and that is our primary call in life so what so what happens what about Nehemiah? Well, he was the first follower. What did he do? He allowed his heart to break for the things of God. He also didn't, like, like John and James and, and Peter and Andrew, did not let his their responsibilities, his responsibility get in the way of his responsibility. That he he got there and he used his brain and prepared to complete the work of God. Scripture tells us a fool starts a work without knowing that they have the resources to complete it. He preserved through the external opposition, and he also preserved, uh, preserved through the internal opposition. He also encouraged those to keep on moving, those in The movement, if you remember in the video, that you would see people turn to other people who were dancing, and like one guy was going like this, and he's like, No, 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 not like this, you got to do it like this. Did it matter if he was going like this or like this? Absolutely, it mattered. (laughs) It absolutely mattered because they were doing it together. then what Pastor Dan talked about three weeks ago about aligning yourself with the call of God. That's what Nehemiah did. And then finally what Pastor Eric talked about, the focusing up. And I think ultimately for every first follower, for every second follower, for every person joining a movement, that this is probably the most important factor that ultimately our lives is not being a follower of someone who's a follower. We're not a follower of a a church or a follower of a denomination. We are not a follower of a creed. But ultimately we look up and we are a follower of Christ. And that... Is our identity as Christians. You guys pray with me? (laughs) Dear God, so often we want to lay claim to our lives, we want to lay claim to our careers, our living situation, our relationships. But God, you have called us to be followers of you. You've called us as we are in the boats, mending our nets or casting our nets. You've called us out of the ordinary and into the extraordinary. In a life bigger than we are. In a life that only you can envision for us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.